welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 315, recorded March 12th, 2020. So this might be our last Mirror Universe episode for a while, but... But they keep coming. There's more coming. Exactly. There's going to be a a con Mirror Universe uh, issue coming up pretty soon. Yeah, you you just shared it with uh, the cover with me yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So there's always more. There's always more Mirror Universe, but exactly. as of the recording today, we will be caught up with everything Mirror Universe in comic book form. There you go. And you because... know, when we get to the end of this, the first comic book we're going to review today, Terra Incognito issue six, we're going to see it's all teed up for the next round. Right. And this came out in 2018, so we went all through 2019, and they never continued it, which kind of surprises me. That is kind of surprising. Because it is teed up for the next issue. Oh, it is. So after we finish that, we will do... uh, They did come out with one Mirror Universe uh, issue in 2019, but it's not the original... It's not the next-gen cast. It is Voyager. So what is Voyager doing out in uh, the Mirror Universe Delta Quadrant? Yeah. You'd think there's a Deep Space Nine. There's... Well, you would know... Everything. All of them. So, hey, let's see what's happening uh, with Voyager. And the fact that they are, you know, separated from the Federation uh, kind of is like new, fresh, new ground. Exactly. I think. And then after that, uh, it's not a comic book, but uh, like last episode, we did something a little different. Um, Instead of a novel, we're going to talk about a video game set in the Mirror Universe called Shattered Universe which is a, um original series movie-era story. In, in game form. Yes. In game form, yes. Right. With cutscenes with the uh, fabulous George Takei and uh, Walter Coney. Yeah. Yep. Which I liked a lot more than I expected to. From the cutscenes and the From story. From the cutscenes and the story it told. Right. Now, mind you, it wasn't that beefy a story? Because <laughs> it pretty much just took you from an opportunity to w- ri- drive a shuttlecraft and, and blow things up. Exactly. But but there was a story that gave you your new opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's a good story. I really enjoyed it. I just yeah. played through it so that we could talk about it, and uh, I I really liked it. Yeah, based on the cutscenes, it was a much better story than I expected. A lot more to it than I expected. Right, so that's that's a teaser for you to stick around till the third story. So, exactly. uh, but first, uh, shall we just go ahead and finish off Terra Incognita? Let's do it. All right, so uh, we're doing issue six. This came out December of two thousand eighteen. Written by Scott and David Tipton. Story art by Carlos Nito. Uh, story colors by Fran Gamboa. Letters by Neil Utaki. Edits by Chase Morotes. Assistant edits by Annie Perhentupa. The group editor was Denton J. Tipton. 
And the publisher is Greg Goldstein. So there's lots of covers. So the main cover is by uh, Tony Shastine. And this shows uh, two Barclays fighting on the bridge of the Enterprise D. Uh, one is tackling the other while uh, the uh, one being tackled is dropping a phaser. Don't quite know which one's the mirror one, uh, but uh, obviously one of them is. Behind the two is uh, Captain Picard with his hand outstretched saying, Stop! Assuming he's saying that, or at least thinking it. The uh, next cover is the quote-unquote photo cover, which just shows uh, Data standing on the bridge of the Enterprise holding a tricorder. It's uh, not a photo, but they're going to call it that. The retail incentive cover by Elizabeth Beals. This shows the whole cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, um, even Wesley in his uh, red ensign uniform, and Barclay. So I'm not going to go through them all, but if they were a main cast member in the later seasons of Next Gen, they're on that cover. And then the final retail incentive cover is by J.K. Woodward. This shows Picard in the foreground holding out a big Dustbuster phaser pointing right at you, the reader. And unbeknownst to him, there is a Barclay standing on a bridge behind him wielding a knife. So the story picks up right where issue 5 left off, where the mirror version of Data is holding Barclay up to the wall. Uh, after a few cursed words uh, and, a, and a fight, Barclay uh, insists that he's not abandoning the captain, that he's just uh, gathering information. But Data does not want to hear it and eventually knocks him out. Riker watches as Data is dragging Barclay down the hall by his leg. He contacts the bridge to see if Data's there, and of course he is. So knowing that there's two Datas, uh, they know immediately that this must be another mirror universe incursion. So Picard orders Worf and a security team to go down there and in intervene. A firefight ensues that forces the mirror Data to eventually release Barclay's leg, uh, allows him to run off, else Data will take a blast to the face. While retreating, Mira Data is surprised by the sudden appearance of Mira Picard, dressed in the mirror tunic with the sash and the bare arms. Elsewhere, Riker and Geordi release the real Barclay from his quarters where he was inside that stasis field. Meanwhile, in the fight, Worf and his team are joined by the real Data as the phaser fire really heats up. Mira Data is able to hit two of the security crewmen, Prime Data is able to graze the Mirror Picard's arm with a phaser blast. And then the Mirror Data is able to hit the Prime Data in the leg, knocking him down. Data orders Worf to leave him behind, and Worf charges forward without any backup, and he attacks the Mirror Data with his fists. A f the fight is brutal, with both taking a pretty good beating, but eventually the Mirror Android is able to knock out our favorite Klingon. Mirror Picard and Data trap Mirror Barclay in astrometrics. Picard is about to stab Barclay with his knife, but instead he throws it up into the air, catches it, and smacks the butt of it against his Barclay's head, knocking him out. They easily scoop up the unconscious deserter and walk toward the transporter room where they return to their own dimension. Later in 10 forward, Jordy, Lopez, Wesley, Riker, and others 
all talk about how they were duped by the fake Barclay. That's when Barclay arrives and he asks, hey, what's new? And they all laugh in his face. Meanwhile, in the Mirror Universe, the Mirror Barclay pleads for his life. He says that he was only there to gather information. Knowing that the time was now or never, Barclay talks about the planet Fondor and their great shipbuilding capabilities. The Mirror Geordi is able to verify his claim using some weird VR headset. Mirror Picard is pleased to hear all this, and he offers Barclay a drink while they discuss how they're going to conquer another galaxy. The end. Well, so they may be taking the Tipton's Mirror Universe TNG story six issues at a time, but I think it's pretty obvious this is an ongoing series. Right. But it has been over a year since this one came out, so I don't know what happened. Well, maybe by taking it uh, six bites at a time, um, you know, it's easier to manage. I don't know. I don't know what else. I mean, I'm sure we could find out pretty easily what the Tiptons were doing in uh, 2019, but they might have been busy with other projects. You don't know. Sure. Yeah, and I thought that they might have done the Smoke and Mirrors since it's uh, J.K. Woodward, but, you know, and, and J.K. Woodward did most of the Mirror Universe stuff so far. But, yeah, somebody uh, else wrote that. But, yeah, somebody else wrote this one, which yeah. kind of surprised me. Yeah. So what did you think of the issue? Did you like the, the data in Barclay fights? I know that you were well, really excited at the end of the last issue that well, Mirror Data showed up. I thought it was a great surprise. Yeah. And uh, Mirror Data is absolutely vicious, as he was programmed to be. Uh, or or maybe his environment programmed to be whatever. Um, that was great. I loved it. Uh, I, it was surprising. That's what I liked best about it. Right. And I, I think- mean... Does he have his emotion chip, this version? Because, man, when he's, like, he seems to. pointing his finger, his face is all gritted up. He, he's mad. Oh, yeah. Guy, I, he, for whatever reason, whether he, yeah, he's got the emotion chip in. Right. Pretty sure. I mean, remember when he, when he just took out all those guys that were trying to protect Spock? Um, oh, that's right. That's right. I think he's a very vicious uh, android very dangerous. Think about the strength of uh, data uh, and speed, which they never they never do the six million dollar man thing pretty much with with data. But uh, think about all the things he can do that they never really dwelt on at all in TNG. Right. Yeah. Just um, every once in a while he'd pick something up that's heavy and <laughs> exactly. And if he just needed to remind to type, you, type fast, he could do that or put in yeah. isolinear chips real quick. He could do yeah, that exactly. Too. But in reality, if he needs to run fast, he's six million dollar man time. We, of course, everything slows down, but still, he can move fast if he needs to. Yeah, the uh, the Genesis. There was a there was a novel series called Genesis Wave, okay. and yeah. that was the only thing I ever remember reading where they really built up all the crazy stuff he should be able to do. Right, so he was able to like jump over whole crowds of people, and you know, almost do. You know, not quite like the Hulk or something, but he was able to just bound over, you know, tens of tens of feet at a time. Cool. With one step. Like, uh, like, like Dodge. Yeah, I guess so. Before she but got, it, before she got blowed up. Yeah. 
I almost said who's Dodge, but uh, but that's a Picard. <laughs> exactly <laughs> the new series, which is probably not going to be new, too new by this time this gets published. Anyway, so there you go. Yeah, I, so I thought it was really cool facing certain death. Barkley very cleverly gives Mira Picard exactly what he wanted, the automated shipbuilding factory. I mean, was he really... Did he know that when he was at the shipbuilding factory and said, hey, you know, uh, I could use this if I ever go back? Or did he just, you know, cleverly... Uh, did he come up with it on the, on, on the fly? Right. Yeah, I don't know. And is he talking about the Prime Universe's... Um... Fondor, or is he talking about the Mirror Universe Fondor? Oh, I, I assume this is uh, the Prime Universe Fondor. I assume so. So that's going to make it that's going to make it more interesting. Otherwise, they're just going to go back to the Mirror Universe and go to Fondor, and you know, the whole point of this is that you know both universe crews have to interact. Right. I'm assuming you're right, especially when um, you know when he's like saying it's not even part of the Federation. So um, I, I I feel like you're right, but it just seemed weird that um, so they're gonna like beam over to Fondor and make them give them a whole fleet. Yeah, well I assume so. Yeah, but they got to talk about it, so they got to figure out a game plan. Sure. And so. we've been waiting a year to find out what that game plan is. Yeah. Well, this we got a new yeah true oh, yeah you're right 2018 publishing right right. So I really hope they didn't stop it. I mean, it seems to me like Mirror Universe stories are more popular than ever. Um, so I really doubt if they stopped. But who knows? Right. Yep. So uh, when what did you think of that last scene, the little comedic scene at the end? I don't think I liked it. I didn't like it either. I mean, I mean it, not, not, not only the laughing in his face, but... I well, mean, no, it wasn't laughing in his face. They were all laughing together. They weren't laughing at him. He's not laughing. He just kind of has this like weird smirk on his face. Like, oh, well, they're I, laughing at me. I was in a coma for six months, and they think it's funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, that probably was really loud on the recording. Um, no, I mean, it, I, I thought it was good, because I think the objective of it was to say, hey, Reg, good to have you back, um, you know, feel comfortable again. I mean, look the look on his face. I mean, he he knows they're laughing with him. I mean, mm. I I think he's like, oh yeah, guys, laugh it up. Oh, I know. Um, but hey, I mean, you think about it. The other Reg was like, I mean, he was doing everything. He was saving the day. He was having the lovely uh, Mademoiselle. Um, I mean, he was he was an up and comer. And now we have good old Reg back, and uh, and I think it was good that they they showed that he was you know all part of the team. Everything's the way it was. Uh, although I'm sure if they really thought about it, they'd probably wish the other guy was back. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know they're all like Wesley's like, yeah, I can't believe he lied to me. You know that you know I, I was getting mentorship from uh, somebody that I wasn't that wasn't the real Reg, and, you know, they're like, oh, poor me, poor me, and I'm, like, thinking about Sonia Gomez, or Sonia Lopez, whatever her name is. Yeah. And I'm like, it sounds like they were, like, an intimate couple, and she was, I think her her beef is a little greater than all of the rest of your, like... Oh, of course. 
whining about, uh, you know, I can't believe yeah. he duped me. And, what and I'm she... like... Yeah. And what'd she say? You feel stupid? I, I thought I knew him. So it's like, yeah. she's almost about to say, you feel stupid? We were fooling around. And then she caught herself. Right. You know. But then in the next page, she's like, ha, 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 real Reg is back. He, he, he. And I'm like, I well, don't I, see that. I don't see well, you going, well, what he say? going from that. So he walks up and says to everybody, what's so, new? what's new? It's like, yeah, we all know what's new. You're, <laughs> your mirror universe double has been around for the past month or whatever it has been. Yeah, but it's been. He really doesn't know what's going, what happened. I mean, I guess he knows well, uh, maybe the beginning part when he was conscious, but since he's been in the stasis tube, he wouldn't know of anything. Yeah, I agree, but they did talk to him after they got him out, right? I mean, yeah, I don't they know. They probably but, told him a little bit. It was like, hey, uh, but yeah. You and Gomez are now an item, just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> she, she may not talk to you for a while, even though it's not your fault. Or she may talk to you. This could be an opportunity. Mm. But I doubt it. I don't know. It just seemed like a little... It seemed. I, I didn't like the laughter at the end. It, I did not like that well, scene. I, th- I didn't think what he said was that funny. No, and then, they're laughing. And, then, and look, at how re- look, look at Wesley. He's about to bust a gut. Right. I don't think so. I, I, what, it was, what he said wasn't that funny. It's 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 like the end, you know, it's the end of Taws when they they have that little joke at the end, and it's not really that funny, but they all laugh. Right. And it's like kind of weird, a little bit more weird than than you're just laughing with them. It's like what that wasn't funny. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. So I I like how Riker points out to them all. You know, about his thesis that evil Reg, Mirror Reg, was trying to fit in. He was trying to make a make a new home. Uh, despite his upbringing being a ruthless, violent poop head, he did try to adjust and fit in. Um, he did try to play by the rules of our universe, and he seemed to be liking it. So, And he was certainly doing a great job in this universe, so... I don't know. I, I thought I thought the overall theme and theory was kind of interesting. And then when a character is realizing uh, he wasn't trying to to do anything as near as we can tell, except fit in. Right. Um, so that's cool. And that could have been the case, as opposed to what Reg Evil Reg said he was doing, which is gathering information, which of course could be a total lie. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't. I don't think that was the case. I don't think it was either. But you don't know for sure. Anywho, there you go. So what there was there was one scene in in the book that kind of confused me about the uh, you know the sequential artwork. Uh, I didn't quite know what was going on. Which one? So when they're in, is it Astrometrics or Stellar? Oh, whatever yeah. that place is. Stellar. Yeah. Stellar. Yeah, seller cartography. Yeah, yes. So, yes, I, I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Okay, so right, so in the page before, the real Reg was mm-hmm. awakened, right? Oh, okay, how many pages back are we going? Well, it, it, I don't know, maybe it hadn't happened yet. Yeah, okay. it already happened. Anyways, at this point, the real Reg is, is awake, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So here it is, Picard's confronting the mirror Reg, and he's yes. like, I'm going to stab you in the face, and then... And then it shows Reg with sleeves saying, no, wait. 
and then it cuts back to Picard about to stab him, and then it's Reg without sleeves. So I thought maybe the real Reg showed up, and it was trying to plead for the mirror Reg's life or whatever. But but no, it's just they accidentally <coughs> drew sleeves on him in that one panel. Oh, how interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think Reg was involved in the hunt at all. And and you know, after reading the book, he's not. But reading that yeah. page, I, I went back and reread this page like several times, going, "Wait a minute!" Because well, in that last panel, there's no real Reg, and I'm like, "Well, where did he go?" He says, "No, wait or wait, please." And then I go back and reread, it, and I'm like, "Oh, I think they just drew yeah, sleeves. They they screw, they messed up on the and not only that, you don't know just that one panel, right? Yeah, because that, that like far off shot where Picard's throwing the knife up. Which, when he threw the knife up, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Again, I what? thought, well, maybe Why Red shot him or something. I'm like, oh, so Red shot him, and he's, like, falling backwards, and the li- now now the knife's up in the air. And then I'm like, go to the next page, and there is no real Reg. And I'm like, I'm misreading this somewhere. What's going yeah. on? He just literally throws it up in the air, catches it, smacks him in the head. Yeah, and when he picks it up, or when, when he catches it, there's this blood going everywhere. It just reminds you of the uh, the arm wound from earlier that Picard right. had. But at the time I was seeing, there was like, I didn't remember that phaser shot. But it was like, what the heck? What's with the blood and stuff? Um, right. And, and so what did he... So for him to be able to get it from his right hand to his left hand, because it's in his left hand when he, when he hits Reg across the jaw... Um, Right. That's why he threw it up? To, to get it from his right hand to his left hand? Well, and I think he also dramatic. Changed, changed the angle. So from stabbing with the pointy end to stabbing with the butt end. I don't know. It's very dramatic. Well, okay. So it was... Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see what you're saying. So the, the way the orientation in his right hand is downward. Like he's going to come with a downward uh, slashing motion. A psycho uh, slash, right. A psycho yeah. slash. But then it gets into his right, left hand, and now it's kind of pointing up. Right. And, and then, then he, he does the whack. Okay. I yeah. see it. it. It doesn't make sense. It, it's, I, it's overly it's dramatic, but whatever. Right. Right. So that, That's fine. plus whatever. the sleeves, I, <laughs> I spent a lot of time on those two pages. Right. Going, I must be missing something. What was the point? And then they just get away. That was also kind of anticlimactic to me, too. He just yeah. scoops them up, walks to the transporter room, uses their little doobicky, and boom, they're gone. Yeah. They completely get away. So, again, our team, pretty much useless. Inept. I mean, you know these guys can come back any time. Haven't you? Shouldn't you have done something about ship security? I don't know. Right. We, we don't look very good in this. Our, our heroes don't look very good in this. Right. And, Although, and back to the point, Worf should oh. know all this, and so when, when he goes to Deep Space Nine and they have the encounter with the Mirror Universe, he, <laughs> he should not be surprised then. <laughs> oh, Donovan. It's all got to work, doesn't it? It should, yeah. It's all got to be connected. Even though the writing is by totally different people, decades well, perhaps decades apart. apart. Right. <laughs> but you know, the writing's not even consistent uh, within IDW because no, uh, of course. Not. In the in the first miniseries of the of the Mirror Universe, remember they had that one random Stargazer issue, but the rest was 
Kirk and how he became captain. Mm-hmm. But then there was like this one random like interlude where they did, here's young Picard and how he became captain. Yes. And he becomes captain of the ISS Star Breaker. Good point. And then in the next uh, miniseries, which was all next gen, it was the, they were on the ISS Star Gazer, and yes. they were trying to steal the Enterprise. Yep. So uh, now the Star yeah. Breaker didn't that look like the Star Gazer? Yeah, it was it was the Star Gazer. Okay. Then they just, for whatever reason, use a different name. Right, which made more sense because you even pointed out when we did that issue that Stargazer doesn't sound like a very Terran Empire type name. True, that's very true. I was very right about that. Right, aggressive. So I. Oh my gosh, we could be attacked by the Stargazer. The Stargazer, (laughs) as opposed to the Vengeance. Now that's a good mirror universe ship. Or even Starbreaker. Starbreaker is a good one. Starbreaker. Like Star Destroyer. There you go. Death Star. Yeah. So I just finished um, a novel uh, called. It was a. It was a book that had three novels in it called Mm -hmm. uh, Glass Empires, which was all set in the mirror universe. Mm -hmm. And the third one was a Next Generation Picard story, and it was about Picard being a Terran archaeologist during the reign of the Klingon Cardassian Empire. Oh, and so how he was like this, you know, this like little guy, you know, trying to just, you know, make a living for himself being this archaeologist and he teams up with Vosh and stuff. It was actually pretty good, but he was also captain of the uh, Stargazer. But his Stargazer was a uh, uh, a modified runabout, which made more sense for mm-hmm. you know, uh in that yeah, if you're an archaeologist, you're not going to have a big ship. Exactly. And it also, you know, at that point, the Terran Empire is supposed to be gone, which which these comic books kind of act like it's on its way out, but it's not quite done yet. Right. But by the time the Deep Space Nine episodes come out, the Terran Empire is pretty much gone. I don't remember them ever talking about it. Right. Everybody's like rebels trying to fight against the klingon Cardassian Union. Right. So... Anyways, the book was good. Uh, there was there was three stories in that book, and they were all good. One of them had Emperor Sato, which was nice, kind of a continuation of the Star Trek Enterprise Mirror episodes. Cool. And then the other one was uh, all about Spock. What did he do right after Kirk beamed back to uh, his Enterprise? Hmm. Up to uh, they go through all of the movies, so uh, all the way past uh, what would have been, you know, Star Trek 6 with Praxis and everything. And then, uh, and then you know, what happened to Emperor Spock. So it was, it's, it's really good, too. So highly recommend you reading those. Okay. If you like Mirror Universe stuff. Nah. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Of course I like it. Although, <laughs> we are getting a lot of it. Right. Especially with Discovery set, you know, half of the season was set in the Mirror Universe of the first year. Yeah. So... All right, uh, that was a that was a little segue. You want to or uh, pause back? Yeah, go back. Okay, so I thought uh, Worf's display of warrior bravely bravery by tackling uh, Mirror Data and trying to disable him, which of course Data is it's a robot. So how are you going to disable him? I mean, unless you shoot him with a phaser. I mean, physically, how are you going to stop a robot? 
who's much stronger than you. So he was very, you know, that was cool that he was doing all that. But, uh, you know, Data probably could have broke his neck if he really wanted to. And, right. and this Data wouldn't have any compunction against that. Nope. Now, it doesn't happen, mind you. But still, I mean, all, all Mirror Data does is throw him against a wall. And then and, walk off. And yeah. then walk off. So it's like, okay, you got off easy, big guy. Um, so I thought, thought that was an interesting fight. Kind of cool, but ooh, this could go back, wrong in so many ways. Um, when I was in a junior high, I do remember having conversations with friends, and they're like, who would win in a fight between Data and, and War? No. You know, so, you know, kind of like how you talk about who would win between Batman and Superman, you know, that kind of talk. So it was kind of, when when I saw this fight, I was like, hey, this is, I remember talking about this as a kid. Uh, (laughs) Cool, cool. But yeah, Data should kick his butt. He should kick his butt. And uh, there was at least one episode where Data almost did in a turbo lift uh, when he was taken over by somebody else. Oh, and he, was that the... The granddad episode? No, it wasn't the granddad one. It was one where like three aliens end up taking over Troy, Data, and a third person, a third character. I don't remember which character, but basically they were kind of like taking over the whole ship, and uh, and you know, yeah, with, with this with this this human this other entity inside of him, and this entity is kind of cheeky. And and he knows how superior the robot body is, and he's got Worf inside of a uh, inside of a turbo lift, and says, "Come on, come on, Klingon, come on, why don't you okay. try attacking?" I do me? kind of remember. remember that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit. I thought that uh, that, that was kind of cool. Anyway, um, I thought the artwork was pretty good in this issue, except um, there's multiple times where Carlos Nito really did not get characters' faces right at all. And it kind of came and went. Um, so in some panels, they they pretty much look like the original actor. Pretty good job. Uh, and then other times, oh my god, nothing like them. So Reg's face was off, I thought, more than any other character. As far as the number of times. Sure. Data's face was off a lot of times, too. Um, on, the, on the flip side, Worf... I don't remember if Worf ever not looking good. Or looking, you know, look, looking good and looking like um, Michael Dorn in makeup. So that that was always good, but I just kind of interesting how uneven some of the faces were. I thought. Yeah, I agree with you on the Reg stuff because uh, I mean I don't want to I don't want to be uh, condescending or anything, but you know uh, the actor who plays Reg and and Cole Meany who plays um, uh, O'Brien, yeah. For whatever reason, those two they never look right in the in the books. I, I don't think. Very rarely do I think that they they look good in comic books. Hmm. And I'm not saying that well, the actors about, about are, O'Brien. Are, I agree. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, Barclay's hardly ever in them. Well, but when th- he that's is, another thing. He's, he doesn't ever really look good to me. Well, and I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if that much that's odd about his face. I mean, Cole Meany's got this tiny little face. Like, the middle of his face is all scrunched in. Or at least that's the way they draw him, anyway. Right, with like the giant really eyes, small eyes, and small mouth, and small nose, and small little thing, you know, between his nose and his, his lips. And he's got this huge forehead. Right, anyway. but they, they seem to draw red with a big forehead, too. So that's, I, that's why well, I was associating the two together. But there you go. I don't know. 
Um, I do too. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's really about it for me. Let me see if I have any. Uh, no, I've I've pretty much said all my comments. All right, I do I have one it. other. I have one other thing. Um, sure. So when data mirror data starts running off, and then suddenly he it shows him kind of like tripping and falling backwards. When and then in the next panel, it's mirror Picard out of nowhere saying, "I want Barclay alive." You know, it's just like. Where did you come from? Why is Data tripping? I don't know what's going on. I thought, well, maybe it was the real Picard dressed up to try to throw him off or something. So, oh, did you? Were you not? Uh, did you get stuck on that page at all? No, I didn't. You just ha- assume Mirror, Par- Mirror Picard was there the whole time. No, I, I didn't think he was there the whole time at all. But but the fact that data kind of like stopped, like oh my god, it's 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 mon capitaine. Um, you know, I I I understand him stopping in his tracks with surprise. Um, but in the picture, that the can jump to the picture and it looks I'm like he's like it. falling backwards. Yeah, because he's surprised. Picard comes out and look and look at that yellow halo behind him. I mean, wouldn't that throw oh, you back? Right. Throw you off? <laughs> Yeah, it's like ah, ah. exactly. Ah. It's like he's walking out of heaven, Picard yeah. walking out of heaven with a sunbeam. So yeah, so I don't, I, I did not understand that part. If Picard was there the whole time, then he shouldn't have been surprised. And if he wasn't there the whole time, then they should have say something like, "Hey, I came here because you're not doing it right." Or that's what he said. Following up, oh, he just says, "I'm." Don't disappoint me, Commander yeah. Data. Let's get him. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, mean, I, I don't know how Picard is monitoring things, but obviously things are going to poop. Uh, they, you know, security realizes Data and Barkley are there, and there's a pitch battle going on, and, you know, I don't know whether Picard sees this and says, oh, boy, I have to take care of this. You know, do pull a Thanos. It's like, I have, I've got to take care of this. Maybe, and we know that Jordy of that universe has that VR goggles that lets him oh, see into our universe. So maybe that was, uh, maybe he was monitoring it, and when he saw that Parkley got loose, he yeah. decided to come in himself. Yeah, maybe you're right. Still seemed weird. Yeah, that Jordy mask was interesting. I mean, he it seemed like he could Jordy could use that to read people's minds clearly, very clearly. Was he reading my No, he wasn't reading minds. I thought he was it actually like seeing it. Fondor. What, what, hold on. What, Somehow hold on, he was hold able on a to second. see into the mirror universe onto a planet, almost like the Tantalus field thing that was in the original okay, mirror and, universe. And I've got he, an alternate theory. Okay. That he was reading Reg's mind. He was reading... This was something Reg had seen. Yes, because so he, he was, was there. Mm. I took it that it was some sort of... Uh, View screen into that that planet after he tells them where it is. But yeah, maybe well, right. I mean, quite frankly, they don't say, do they? It could nope. be either one. I mean, right. to be honest about it, you could be right, I could be right, but it does show an exceedingly clear picture of uh, the shipbuilding factory. Right. So yeah, you're right. It could it could go either way. I, I didn't think about that, but I just assumed that it was some way to because the the didn't it's called the Tantalus Field, right? The one that Kirk oh, the had. Oh, Tantalus Field, yeah, Tantalus Field, right? 
Tantalus, but, it could, tantalous, but yeah, tantalous, whatever it is. Right. But right. anyways, it could see stuff that didn't have a camera, right? So, I mean, it's like right. I could spy on you in the bathroom. There's no camera there, but I can still see it. Interesting thought. So that, some that kind of extrapolation I, of Tantalus Field. Yeah, but for the Except most part, that was showing parts of the ship right, in the Taws right. episode. So you're saying years. it's improved in 100 years, and now you can look into another dimension in, in, in a specific location. Sure, yeah, why Maybe. Not? Maybe. Could be. Could like be. you pointed out the other day when I was getting a little too nitty-gritty, it's all made up. <laughs> you know this is not real, right, Donovan? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I suppose you're right. <laughs> okay. All right. That Mirror was my smoke? last comment. What's that? Mirrors yeah, and it. smoke? Excellent. Okay, so knowing we can't, we do not have enough Mirror Universe entertainment, here is the Star Trek version. It's only one one issue. Um, it's pretty much a one and done, although they definitely do leave it up open at the end. But I won't. I will not spoil anything yet. So, Mirrors and Smoke is the title. Published date is October 2019. The writer is Paul Alor. Artist is Donovan's favorite, J.K. Woodward. Letterer is Neil Yataki. Edits by Annie Parentupa. Group editor is Denton J. Tipton. There are two covers. Surprise, there's only two. Cover A features Janeway and the six lead characters of the Voyager TV series, all in kind of sort of their evil universe outfits. Uh, of particular note is Balana, who is dressed as a Klingon warrior, complete with a batleth. And Chakotay kind of looks like a motorcycle biker uh, with a red bandana around his head. Kind of, kind of funny. He looks a little odd, but, but, but like a bad dude. Uh, Voyager uh, dominates the upper half of this cover uh, with smallish red text that says, Plunder the Mirror Universe with Janeway. And the cover is by J.K. Woodward. So that's kind of a cool one. The retailer incentive cover is sort of like a recruiting poster kind of thing that features Janeway dominating the uh, most of the cover. Um, like her hands are on her hips. And she looks stoic. Uh, Voyager is above and behind her. Um, along with a... Uh, or actually five Delta Flyers... Uh, that are style shuttlecrafts that are also flying along in formation with the Voyager. Um, on the bottom is a pitch. Join Janeway. Join Janeway. Plunder and profit. Who would not go for that? Covers by George Kaltsodas. Uh, the story opens in a mirror universe Delta Quadrant where a Voyager with yellow racing stripes is firing phasers on a boxial ship that has a shuttlecraft in its tractor beam. On the bridge, Janeway is commenting on what a beating that boxial ship can take and asking if Tuvok uh, has Protocol 7 ready, just in case of a boarding action. Tuvok says it's all ready. A channel is open, and it turns out Neelix and Kess are the captain and crew of the Baxial ship. Neelix wants to keep his prize, but for some reason Janeway wants the shuttle in Neelix's tractor beam. 
When Janeway fails to release the shuttle, she beams the human being inside the shuttle onto Voyager. Their new guest is Annika Hansen, a.k.a. Seven of Nine, who says she is happy to finally be safe on a Terran ship. She's finally saved! Given the phasers and Batleth that are pointed at her threateningly from all sides, uh, Annika may want to rethink that life-saving thing. Annika is taken to sickbay. The doctor is there and taking care of her. Janeway berates the doctor as just a hologram and not a sentient being. Annika says her parents were assimilated by the Borg, but so far she has escaped. Commander Cavett asks what a Borg is, to Annika's incredible shock. Janeway calls the Borg a collective of technology fetishes who like to play boogeyman. She tells Chakotay she wants to meet them and implies she will kick their butts. Things start going wrong on the ship and the crew begins to blame Annika. But how can a lone woman under guard cause all these ship malfunctions? Janeway asks Commander Cavett to figure out why the ship is breaking down so suddenly. Cavett goes down with Chakotay and some other men to the shuttle launch bay to follow up on a lead when the bay door opens and most of the four-man team are sucked out into space. Cavett might have made it, but instead Chakotay kicks Cavett away into space. Chakotay goes to sick bay to have it out with Seven, is instead knocked out from behind by the doctor, who says Annika is his accomplice. Annika starts to get into a spacesuit, and the doctor floods the ship with anesthesine gas. The crew is mostly down for the count, but before she succumbs, Janeway sends a message to Neelix asking for his help. Neelix and Kess arrive and beam aboard. They have a fight with the doctor and Annika, during which Kess demonstrates some mui-mui-macho telekinetic abilities. They reset the doctor to his pre-sentient state. An unconscious Annika is dragged off to the brig. Janeway comes to, and with caution, thanks Neelix for saving her ship. Neelix says, no thanks are, are required, because he and Kess are going to take over the ship for themselves and get rid of most of the crew. Kess will start telekinetically snapping necks, and they will find out who can be loyal to Neelix. Janeway calmly says, Computer, Protocol 7. The doctor appears next to Kess and injects her with a hypo. She immediately falls like a rag doll. Neelix pulls out a nasty big knife and unsuccessfully attacks Janeway. He ends up unconscious on the ground, too. Neelix and the unconscious Kess are thrown into the brig next to Annika. Annika says to Neelix that they'd better start planning their next move. Meanwhile, Chakotay is the new captain of Neelix's ship, and Janeway is now Commodore Janeway. Paris asks, where to next? Harry says there are no nearby planets to plunder. Tuvok wants them to go back to the Alpha Quadrant, and with two ships, focus on defense. Janeway says, nice idea, Tuvok, but if you want us to improve our technology for defense and increase our speed to get home faster, 
It's time to play offense and find the Borg. The end. For now. For now. That's right. Uh, it doesn't have like uh, the end question marks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Same as the last one. Exactly. So. So pretty cool. So they did it in one issue. Yep. They don't goof around. They do not. So uh, I did like this issue. I'm not going to say I didn't, but um, I had one problem with it, and I could never, I could never get over it. Okay. What? And that was Tuvok. Uh huh. Okay. What about Tuvok? Tuvok is on Deep Space Nine in the Mirror Universe. So how did he get stuck into oh. the Delta Quadrant? <laughs> He's in one of the last episodes of Deep Space Nine um, Mirror Universe episodes. Um, he's part of the resistance there. Right. It's that version, that universe is Tuvok, so that means that that universe is Tuvok could not have been sent to the Delta Quadrant when Voyager did. So therefore, he should not be there. Okay. Mr. Mr. Cold Water, bucket of water to, to throw on things. <laughs> that That's your only problem. That was my, uh, yeah, that was really my own. <laughs> okay. My In that case, probably mostly a mission successful issue. Right, yeah. I mean, but then I was like, well, he doesn't really do anything, so why no, did you have to much. put him in there? Because he was a member of the Voyager crew. Sure, sure. I get it. I mean, you know, maybe not everybody are familiar with the other stuff. So he was a member of the Voyager crew. This is kind of written as kind of like a standalone. And, um,. Okay, so you didn't like Tuvok being there. I'll tell you one thing I did like. I like Commander Cavett being in the in the issue. Sure. And so he, and it was, was like the, he was the commander in the pilot, right? Exactly. So in the original pilot, um, what the caretaker or caretaker? Caretaker, yeah. Um, Cavett was you know number one. And, uh, you know, he had the graying temples, uh, and he was full-fledged character. He was part of the team, and, uh, of course, he gets killed immediately by the displacement wave that hurdles Voyager to the Delta Quadrant. So, anyway, I looked up the guy a little bit on Memory Alpha, so, eh. Has he, was he ever in anything else, like a flashback story or anything? Ah, uh, well, he wasn't in any TV shows. Right, I knew that. Um, I don't know. I, I think this is. I think this is the only thing. I sure. did, at least I didn't read anything about it being because he could have easily been like in another novel or something. Right, but, but I, I I didn't notice any, it saying anything about that. Actually, it was a relatively short article, quite frankly. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, you don't. There's not much to say about him. Uh, but but seeing the photo of him because they do have a photo of him, um, it of course reminded me the fact of and this is kind of a segue into another point is why does Tuvok and Cavett kind of sort of have uniforms that look a bit like first contact uniforms? Yeah, the doctor does too. Yeah, uh, there are other people too. Yes. Yeah, I had the same question. So it's not quite. It's not quite first contact. There are some differences, but the general idea is the same. It's mostly black, and it's got the uh, kind of like gray uh, shoulders, kind of puffy shoulders a little bit. Right. 
Uh, but well, then... maybe, maybe this maybe this Enterprise or this Voyager didn't get sent to the Delta Quadrant until after First Contact. Well, which which would then go. explain why why Tuvok's there. Exactly, and that's one of the yeah. So the timings didn't happen quite the same. Right. Yeah, it's funny. It actually says what year twenty twenty three seventy two right there on the first page. Okay. Well, you don't see very do, often. Do, do you have a timeline handy? Uh no. Because <laughs> it'd be kind of kind of interesting to know, you know, how that works in with uh some of the other books. Right. Especially the one with uh where where Tuvok was in Mirror Universe Deep Space Nine. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. Right. But it would be so we'll just pretend like that's that's what it was. Okay, that's the explanation. Are you happy? Now I'm happy. <laughs> Now I like it completely. But it, it looks like that's not true. Yeah. Because I just looked up 2372 in memory beta, oh, and just, just, there's lots of episodes. Just go with it. Just, that just came out assume that that's it, and let's move on. All right. <laughs> I'd like the artwork. Oh, st- First Contact is supposed to have happened in 2372, so there you go. Okay. All right. Artwork, I like it. I loved it. Good. I liked it, too. Um, I thought the... Uh, the tough guy looks that they gave some of the crew uh, was interesting. I um, I definitely you know so they got a pumped up Jane way with no no sleeves on, uh, and then uh, leather pants, shiny leather pants instead of like fabric ones. So uh, she's looking pretty good. I didn't notice the leather pants. That's funny. Well, if you look at the last panel where she's saying, "Let's go find the Borg." Look at her. I mean, she's got that, that's that's the beauty shot there. Oh yeah, you got Janeway. She's got the arms. You know, they're kind of folded, and you kind of see the muscle. And then you could see she's got shiny pants on, and that looks like leather to me. But yeah, I like her haircut. She, uh, Kate Mulgrew never had that short of hair on the show, but mm-hmm. it it looks good on her. Cool. Yeah. Hair. Speaking of hair, Harry Kim looks like an emo. What? <laughs> he does have a long so ponytail. His, his hair is coming down over his face and everything, and he's got some kind of silver trench coat on, and blah, blah, blah. Yep. What about uh, Kess? What'd you, how did you think that he drew her? Oh, I thought Kess looked cool. <sighs> she looked so good. Yeah, she, she looked good, and I especially love it when she's snarling at Janeway. You know, so when they're talking over the, uh, the, the, the monitor. Is that a snarl or just like a, yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> that. That face, I love that face. I too. love that face. It's like, oh my God, he did it perfect. And then when she's using her force powers or whatever it is to take out everybody. Oh my God. Man, she looks awesome. Like, oh. I'm like, she never looked that cool on the show. I mean, I always liked Cass, don't get me wrong. But she never seemed like a threat. But here, no. like, oh my god, you would yeah, not but, want to mess with her. Before she left, didn't she start having that kind of stuff going on? But I never right. remember something like that. Yeah, no, she she never did. And yeah. then she came back later and kind of helped helped Voyager get through some Borg space or something. But right, that's not she. But she was she never older, like just right? electrocuted people that were walking down the hallway. <laughs> exactly. She's got. She's like. Uh, she's got some powers. Right. Very impressive. So the mirror universe is yes. everybody in the whole universe just bad because 
I always thought it was like Earth was Earth was worse than than it is in the real world or the Prime Universe. But everybody else kind of always seemed the same. Like the Vulcans, still peace loving, whatever you know. um, Even though they were overthrown by the the Terran Empire, but the Klingons, Cardassians, they're they're still Klingons and Cardassians. They don't seem that drastically different. But here it's like when Kess and Neelix are also all evil. It kind of threw me off that they were so different than they are, and they're not influenced by a different timeline in the prime universe or you know what i'm saying like i always thought something happened that changed the federation into an empire and then that affected the alpha quadrant right but but here they would completely isolated from anything that could have happened there to diverge the timelines and uh they're still bad neelix and kess are good point now neelix and kess are exposed to voyager apparently they know each other um and I kind of like the fact that they were not on the on Voyager, that they were off on their own ship. That was right. kind of a nice, you know, mixing it up a little bit. I kind of like that. <clears throat> but they did have some exposure to the, at least the Voyager crew. So, but I, you make a good point. That's a good point. Do they do they ever mention it in the shows? What what diverged them? Because I know in the uh, the comic books that we did way back in issue. Episode 210, uh, we did the DC Comics uh, Mirror Universe storyline, and in there, they said it was the Earth-Romulan War that split our universe from their universe, that Mm. Earth was overthrown by the Romulans, and then the Romulan, then Earth had to create a, you know, a rebellion against Romulus, eventually overthrew them, and then instead of reverting back to the Federation, they... They went became further. an empire and then just started taking over everything. That's right. We will never be subject subjugated again. Ugh. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there's one theory. That's cool. Obviously, Enterprise took a different cut at it. Yeah. They they took it a little earlier that uh, with at least uh, Cochrane shooting the Vulcan instead of making peace with him when he landed. Exactly. And they took over the ship. So in that case, was the th- that was the turning point? Was it? So it doesn't say it so, doesn't say that's the turning point. That's okay. just the earliest on film. That's the earliest, earliest we see ever. it. Right. OK. So the Earth is at war. Uh, everybody's blown back into some earlier stage of uh, primitivism. Um, there's still some technology around. But after going through all that, all that loss of life, you can see people kind of getting a little bit feral like you see in uh, <laughs> uh, Walking Dead and stuff. Sure. So yeah, and I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's like, well, maybe you could understand that happening as opposed to what happened, uh, you know, in in the main storyline. Sure. Um, interesting. interesting. Maybe it was. Uh, nah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but in those books that I just finished reading, they right. talked about um, the twentieth century had. Uh, there was still monuments up for um, the ruler, the Earth ruler George the Second, which. Which I thought oh, was, well, that was kind of funny. George second. <laughs> right. You texted that me about that. That would have been well earlier than Cochrane's time. Yes. Yep. So, so uh, who, knows? who was George the second? I'm assuming they're implying George Bush the second, but uh, uh, even George, though, you know, w. George W. Bush. There you go. That's w. who I'm assuming because that's. I think that was who was president when that book was written. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was 
funny. It, I thought it was funny too. I thought it was clever. It kind of makes sense. Right. So uh, at least as far as uh, you know that that storyline, the the mirror universe diverged even further back than Cochrane or the Earth Romulan War. So, who knows? And then in this book, it's just like, everybody's bad. doesn't matter where yeah, you came from. they're all bad. they all bad. Although Tuvok doesn't seem that bad. Um, kind of like how Spock wasn't all that bad in uh, the right. original series. Cause... But, ooh, the Doctor. The Doctor's kind of evil. Kind of. I mean, look, look, really look, look, look at the look on his face. You know, in that, in that really narrow one that focuses, like, from his eyes down to his lips. Right. Ooh, he looks bad. He really did not like being treated like a Commodore Vic twenty. <laughs> I just I am not it. I am not just a Commodore Vic twenty. Damn it! I'm an artificial life form. Anyway, so I did like how Annika of all the characters was was probably the closest to what the Prime Universe Annika would have been if she if she had not wasn't been assimilated. Right. Right. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. So she never was assimilated, so what would she be like? And if she was forced to like fend for herself um, in the Delta Quadrant, well, she'd probably become kind of scheming. And Okay, scheming. So, huh? So Annika the whole time was working with Kess and uh, Neelix? Do they say that? I don't remember that. Part. Well, it seems like it. Okay, so when when they're all back in prison again, or you know, in in Brig on the Voyager, um, Annika says, "Well, it's time to plan our next move." Now, mind you, you could take that as oh like, yeah, you're right. She does say that. She does say that. Now you could you could take that as saying, "Oh, she recognizes they're both in the same situation. They're both in prison, so maybe it's time to make an alliance." And she's kind of hinting that a, a new alliance. Might as well. Or she could be saying they were in an alliance already, and this whole thing was a setup. Yeah, so, but she fights them. She I know. Them in the but, oh, oh, but this is the better part. This is the better part. What's the first thing uh, she says to him? Uh, Neelix. What does Annika first say when they get in, in, the, uh, in the prison? Oh, in the prison? Uh, I don't know. I have to look. She says, the humans betrayed you. How unpredictable. Exactly. Okay, how was he betrayed? He wasn't betrayed by Janeway. He was betrayed by her. By Seven? By Annika. Mm. Annika betrayed him. Okay, this is all theory. And this is something I really like about the writing. Because you could take this a couple different ways. And this is how I chose to take it. And I think I'm right, but I could be wrong. Um... Uh, Annika and Neelix and Cass, they were all in cahoots. Uh, they said Neelix knew Janeway, and if, and if Neelix had something that he valued, that he knew Janeway would want it, and then uh, that's how Cass got inside of what looks like a Voyager shuttle, by the way. How did Cass, uh, I'm sorry, how did Annika get what looks to be a Voyager shuttle in the Delta Quadrant? Unless she got it from um, Voyager, but whatever. Different topic. So uh, I think it was all a setup, and then once Annika got on there, she was supposed to be part of uh, of the whole plot to get Neelix and, and Kess on board. But she ended up making a double cross, and 
recognizing what the doctor could do for her. And so she wanted to ship for herself. And so she goes down that path. Um, mm. Anyway, that's another theory. So she's not as squeaky clean as I thought she was. She is kind of evil. I think she's evil. Yeah. I mean, she's. Hmm. I mean, she sounds squeaky clean and stuff, but I really don't think so. I think that was all put on. Nice. Huh. And then, I, I did not. I did not take it that way. But now that you mention it, um, you're probably right. Yeah. And then when she says, "We'd better start planning our next move," you know, they like bold our next right. move. Our you know? next move. Exactly. So it almost like, yeah, it could have been a spur of the moment, you know joining of Reese, you know, partnership going in there, but I think it was around a little longer. Anyway, mm. just my theory. Yeah, good point. Um, I, I think the fact that they're saying that the uh, Neelix's ship can take a real beating is going to be important in the next story, if there is a next story, when they go up against the Borg. So um, Neelix's ship, now captained by Chakotay. Exactly. And- yeah, well, what about that? What, what about that... Uh, shuttle that Annika's flying around in. Yeah, now I, I did go back and look at it and you're right, it does look like the Delta Flyer almost. Well, Maybe a, little... a little bit more like, I mean, a little bit like the Delta Flyer but Delta Flyer's window's different um, and it's a little longer. It looks like the standard shuttlecrafts uh, on Voyager. Right. Which are really cool looking but they don't look very practical. I mean, how big could they be? I yeah, mean, it's they, a they, they look cockpit. like Cockpit on, on the sails, that's about exactly, it. Exactly, right. I mean, it does not look very practical, but it looks very cool. Um, yeah, so how where would they get that from? Where did, where did Annika get that from? I mean, as far as Janeway, Janeway doesn't know her, right? So, right. Anyway, I just think that's a bit of a plot hole. But Well, she didn't seem surprised that she's in that ship, though, so... Oh, in the shuttle? Maybe you're reading too much into it. She well, never asks, why are you in a Federation ship? No, she doesn't. And why would she? Where would she get a Federation ship? Right. I mean, they this far out. They don't know what the Federation is yet, right? So, is there another picture other than that? Just that one, where it kind of shows her escaping. Uh, I have to go back. Well, that that's the one I saw best. Yeah, that's. The, I think that's the only shot it shows. Yeah. Yeah, just chalk it up to uh, artistic license. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's like okay. It's a Voyager story. Um, Voyager always has ships that shuttles that look like this. Uh, Okay, fine. Oh, we can't make it look like a Delta Flyer, but we can we can make it look like they're standard shuttles. Okay, well there is one other spot where you can see it, but it's not very good. So that's that's in the first page where you see Voyager firing on Neelix's ship, and underneath it you can see. You can see uh, the shuttle, but not all of it. It's kind of cut off by the panel border. Oh, is that what that's supposed to be? Oh, okay, yeah, there it is. I see it. Yeah. But that's I didn't not even very, see it. That's not yeah. a very good picture. I mean, that's not a very good view of it. Hmm. All right, what else you got? Um, I like uh, seeing I, people get oh. sucked out in the space. You don't see oh, that Oh, that looks off. great. Yeah, especially when the uh, commander, what's his name? Is, is out there in space. Uh, he looks great. He looks cold. He looks very cold. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, 
Uh, I so Kess is unconscious, right? At the end. Yeah. Uh, she should be. Because I at first I thought she was killed, but then I said, "Oh, hypo spray." Hmm. Okay. And and her unconscious body is being taken, and and he was, it's put into Neelix's uh, cell. So probably not putting a dead body in there. Probably not. Um, right. Okay. So she's probably fine. Okay. Good. But how is she going? I mean, she could just use her powers to get out. Though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, let's think ahead about this, shall we? Unless Janeway's planning on getting rid of Neelix and Annika and Cass, which I really don't think is going to be the case. They're going to want to keep them around because they're good characters. But how are they going to deal with Cass not being dead? Right. Anyway, something we can figure out later. Um, I noticed that there was a Klingon in the background. And I don't remember a Klingon being on um, Voyager ever. Nope. I mean, oh, except for, of course, Blana. Right. She's only half Klingon, though. But this guy looks pretty much full-blood Klingon. But why would there be a Klingon on a uh, Terran ship? I, well, uh, there was a novel we, we read recently where there was, Worf. But, uh, yes, I agree. But why would there be? Uh, unless, of course, it, it did the model that they presented in the novel. Which is, right. yes, they're conquered. But uh, some of the conquered people are serving aboard Terran ships. They're just, you know, obviously. Yeah. That, that would make sense if you were only using the original series episode as a template. But this should take into account all the Deep Space Nine stuff. Where the, okay. the Klingon and the Cardassians are fighting the Terrans to, okay. to pretty but, much extinction. But you see what I'm talking about, right? I see what you're saying, yeah. Okay, okay. The, the guy behind... Uh... Emo, Harry Kim. At which part? Uh, I actually I haven't seen the picture yet. Yeah, so just, there, there's a shot of Harry Kim. Um, Captain, the shuttlecraft is attempting to break free of the tractor beam. So this must be towards the beginning. Mm. Let me. Oh yeah, there it is. So on the same page where Kess is snarling. And oh yeah, the old school killing on a smooth. Kinda. He does look smooth. Exactly. Right. Yeah, good point. I, am, I think that's just a dude that just likes that look. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> a balding dude that likes the look. Uh, like, okay, so Kess looks like Elvis Presley. That's it. That's, right. yeah. that's who she reminds me of. I, I love that picture, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it for me. That's all I have to say. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yes, I enjoyed it a lot. All right, so shall we move on to something a little different? Very different for us. Yep. So we are going to talk about... The video game. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Shattered Universe video game that came out in 2004 on the PS2 and the Xbox, the original Xbox. Yes, so official release dates, January 13th, 2004 for PS2, January 14th, 2004 for Xbox, and then April 30th, 2004 for PAL, P-A-L. Is that like that would that would just be the PAL version, the Xbox so, and PlayStation version? Like in the UK, in the UK. Right? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Not the not the uh, NTC or whatever it is yeah. that we use. So I guess that's back in the old days when we still hook those two devices up to TV set tuners, TV tuners. Not TV tuners, but through the either the 
composite or component cables. Okay. I thought PAL, PAL was all about broadcast TV, but okay. No, it's, it's the resolution on the TV. So, um, hmm. okay. so it's a different resolution, so that's why it would have to be different. Uh, okay. Cool. So... So anyway, so this this game was uh, is is basically a ship to ship combat simulator, which is a little different than what we're used to with Star Trek. So uh, you actually through most of the game or all of the game when you're controlling it, you're controlling a little single man fighter, which again is unusual, right? But it's set in the mirror universe, so it's uh, it's you expect things to be a little different. Exactly. So I actually love this game, or at least the story. I love the game uh, because it starts off with the inner Excelsior um, hitting some wave or something. I, I forgot a vortex of some sort, mm-hmm. and then they just find themselves on the ISS Enterprise or Excelsior, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, just coincidentally, everybody's the same person. Mm-hmm. And kind of like how in the original series, it's a transporter accident. So they're transported, replaced with the uh, their other selves. And Sulu calls down to the shuttle bay. And the sh- and the guy at the shuttle bay is like, uh, Captain, all our shuttles are now these little fighters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. So anyway, so then... Okay, so uh, can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. W- what about transporter? The original Taz episode was transporter accident. But this right. is some big ion storm or something. Right. Well, I'm just that, saying that that they swaps an entire place. starship. Not the starship, just the people. Hmm. Because they're still on the ISS Enterprise. They're not on the uh, USS. Okay. Okay. Fine. So fine. yeah, just swapped all the people. So kind of like how okay. in the original series, you just but that wasn't one... transporter. That wasn't a transporter accident in this case. In this case, no. But I said it, okay. it's like that in that it's in not that like the people all this other stuff. Places. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So you just swapped you swapped places with your mirror counterpart. Gotcha. You didn't you didn't all there wasn't two Excelsiors in this universe. Right. There wasn't yeah. two Sulus. And just to mention, Donovan has played the game. I have never played the game. I have just read a little bit about it, and then I of course watched all the the cutscenes from the video game on right. YouTube. So So I bought this game back when it was new. I never beat it because it's ridiculously hard. Mm. Um, so after a couple of boards, when it became impossible to beat, I always quit. Um, it wasn't until this this year that I was like, you know what? I'm going to beat this game. Mm-hmm. So uh, I spent a lot of time on this game. I still haven't beaten it. I am <laughs> on the last board when you're trying to get to another space anomaly to transfer back to the prime universe right and spoiler you're fighting the other excelsior captain by your mirror universe and i can't ever do it i either my excelsior explodes or i accidentally explode their excelsior or it's just like it is impossible to beat that last board but basically Um, the whole whole storyline is that you you show up in the excelsior in the mirror universe and then you have to make your way to the other side of the galaxy, through Romulan space, through Klingon space, through Tholian space, to get to a similar um, spatial event that they speculate will allow them to switch places back with uh, their prime selves in in the real universe. Um, So it's a great game as far as each each board is kind of like a little episode. I think there's about 15 of them. And a lot of them take 
either steal outright or take little cues from uh, original uh, Taz episodes. Yeah. So instead of going through each one, I thought it would be kind of cool if we just, since you've watched the episodes and I've played the episodes, we can just kind of like cherry pick which ones we want to talk about. Okay. Um, so there's 15 of them. Yeah. Um, and they're really cool that they have actual opening sequences like, like the TV show. Very cool. Right. Yeah, every episode begins with something happening. There's a cutscene with uh, George Takei, mm-hmm. and then he orders you, because uh, you never see yourself, but he orders you to go to your shuttle pod and or your sh- shuttlecraft and do something. And as soon as right. you get into the shuttle, it usually shows you leaving the uh, Excelsior, and then it'll have the title card, just like an episode would. Right. Which I thought was hilarious. That's Not great. hilarious, but really cool. Yeah, because they'll, they'll usually show the Excelsior along with... Uh, uh, the title in 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 movie era font that's blue, always the same color of blue, and it 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 actually visually looks a little bit more like like next gen, mm-hmm. but Taz you know did did the titles in the beginning in, in a similar way. Um, yeah, but their titles were always huge and took up the whole exactly. Screen. This is like, very like a lot of times yellow and yeah and whatever. Yeah, so this was a little bit more polished, a little bit more like next gen, right? So, um, so yeah, so the the first episode, I think you 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 had a comment on that one called Shattered Universe. Is that the one that has the computer that you like? Yeah. Okay. So one of the first things they well, actually they they go up against uh, Chekhov, and so Chekhov, Mirror Universe Chekhov, is in the Enterprise. So, uh, so there's a fight there. However, after he gets away from Chekhov, there's um, a fight they have. Basically, they, they they come into contact with the M5 Multitronic computer from the Ultimate Computer, as you'll recall from the original Taws episode, um, where Daystrom, as in the Daystrom Institute, made this uh, this this amazingly smart computer. And uh, we all know what happened there. It starts attacking people with starships. Uh, and and uh, so it's called Ultimate Computer in the Taws episode, but here Shattered Universe is the name of that particular uh, game episode. And because there's 15 of these things, it's really interesting. I mean, you're not only... I, I thought this was going to be a little more like an episode. The whole game was like, like an episode. But really, it's like a whole season. Right. So you have like 15 kind of self-contained episodes of, you know, flying the fighter around, but they all are tied together because, as you mentioned, they've got this big quest. They need to get to Tholian Universe where they think their way out is going to be. So, Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it gives you a chance, especially that first one and, mm-hmm. and a few later, uh, gives you a chance to actually fight um, old Enterprises, old Constitution-class ships and mm-hmm. things like that, um, which is always fun, right? Yeah. So, um so yeah, the, then you end up going to uh, Klingon space, and there's a lot of boards where you're fighting either Klingons or Klingons and Klingon star bases and things like that. Um, which I didn't. The next few, none of them really jumped out at me as far as being a, a reference to the original series. Yeah. Did any to you? I mean, it was like. Well, I mean, when they eventually came up against the Doomsday Machine, that was really it. 
And, right, exactly. and that was still that was still in Klingon space. Right, but I mean, but that's like that's like six episodes later. So I'm talking well, about they spent yeah, a lot so, of time. They spent a lot of time in uh, in Klingon space. Right, but yeah, boy, when you do the Doomsday thing and you're actually fighting the the Doomsday, because basically you show up to to Kronos and the Doomsday machine is heading to Kronos and is going to destroy it. So you're having to try to get the Klingons to be on your side right. by stopping the Doomsday Machine. <laughs> but you don't have a you know a spare Constitution-class ship to fly into the middle of it and, and explode. So right. it, it it's that one is hard because you're having to fight all these little ships. Oh oh, every every race in this game has a bunch of little ships. Everybody <laughs> has fighters. Everybody has fighters. Right. Okay. So you gotta cool. you gotta deal with all that. They're attacking the Excelsior. It can explode at any time, and you have to keep up with the Doomsday Machine and try to s- slow it down before it destroys Quonos. So right, uh, and so I, I don't know how any of the fights go, except that Captain Sulu always wins. Hectic, boy, they are hectic. Are they? <laughs> yeah, you're just like it's it's old school, right? It came out in two thousand two, so right. It's not, or 2004, so it's not super polished like it is now. Um, I mean, you do have like a little um, radar scope that kind of tells you what direction to go, but mm-hmm. but with the bad graphics and, um, you know, that's not really high res, so it, you have to do the lock-on. Otherwise, you you don't even, you have no you idea. Have no, oh, okay. So you just lock on, and then you, when when the ship goes off screen, it'll at least have like a little arrow pointing to which direction the, the guy went. And then you have to bank over and try to shoot it with, um, usually you have, based on what ship you have, you usually have a, a primary, which is like a little, it's not a phaser. Well, one ship has a phaser, which is the traditional like long beam of light. Mm-hmm. But usually it's like blasters, like star Wars. And then mm-hmm. you can have photon torpedoes that some, sometimes you can get them to lock on and, use the photon torpedoes, but usually it's just like a spread that you just kind of hope hits the thing that you shot at. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I read um, in the reviews, I read a few reviews for the game, and it and one of them said one of the one of the guns, there's three guns, like you just mentioned, one of them is pretty much useless. And then, uh, I think he, I think the reviewer was saying you use phasers a lot. Um, and then, uh, well, anyway. Uh, the other thing they said is the, the 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 flight control of the shuttle was horrible. Did you find that at all? Were difficult to control? Well, it's yeah, it's slow to move around, so it oh, it, okay. it, it turns like a tank. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're, uh, you're in a fighter, a space yeah, fighter, yeah, yeah. right? These ships are flying over you really fast, and then you got to you know either try to do a, a barrel roll or a bank over so that you can get behind them mm-hmm. and you just slowly plodding across <laughs> it's not that bad but it's like i wish it was a little tighter and faster yeah i still enjoyed it i, I liked it a lot okay. um but uh but yeah I, i've the only reviews i've ever seen was like it's it's incredibly hard mm-hmm. and and uh and it is there you go they ain't lying um, so, um, back to the episodes. Back to the episodes. They do have one called a dish best served cold, which yes. I wish, wish would have been a, a con thing, but it's not. It's just Klingons. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> love it. Right. So the next episode that I absolutely loved was the Baylock's War. Mm-hmm. Okay. You go against 
Balok's ship. Yes. And he has a bunch of little fighters. Which, the Fasirius. Yeah, which he didn't Which he never show. had it before. And what's the other thing that's different? <laughs> He's not a puppet either. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So after the whole thing. So you don't have Clint Howard there, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, there's no Tranya at the end of it. Okay. Yeah, so at, at the end of the thing, when you're you're flying off and Sulu's doing his captain's log, he's like, "Who would have imagined that in this universe, Balok was a real thing, a real person, and not a puppet?" Uh, not a puppet. <laughs> That's, That's the only reason I know is because yeah. of his 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 post action uh, log. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you're playing it, I kept waiting for that to happen. You know, like okay, so now we're, we're about to find out that he's really a little boy drinking Trinia, but uh, that never happens. Yeah. Just, okay, cool, just, cool. Once, once you finish your objectives, it's like he gives that little log while you're flying away, and it's just right. like, oh, okay. Uh, the next episode was called The Excelsior Incident, and I right. really liked it because it's Romulans, but they're using Klingon D7s, which which I thought was a nice little nod to Season 3 okay. uh, Romulans. And they even make it a story point. It's just like, for whatever reason, the Romulans are now using Klingon D7s. A better a, a better matchup than using those antiquated old uh, Romulan ships. Right. What is cool is that once you beat a board, then you can unlock um, their ships. So you can actually fly the little one-man Romulan fighter, which looks oh, kind of okay. squatted down um, bird of prey. Uh, along with the, the Klingons, you can fly a little tiny Klingon bird of prey. So the Romulan so, fighter didn't look anything like the one out of Nemesis? No, this is way before Nemesis. Okay, but I'm just asking. <laughs> it, no, it looked a lot like a, an old... It looked like the uh, the the Romulan ship. The <laughs> the what, Which one was the... The Romulan Submarine ship. episode? What was the submarine oh, okay, episode? Okay, so that was Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror, yeah. It looks like that ship, but a one-man guy. Oh, really? It's, it's oh, how, how interesting. Hmm. All the ships are really cool. Hmm. I but it look, is weird. I, I didn't see all the ships. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. probably should have looked for for more photos. Yeah, especially because like you never the see them in the, in the jump cut scenes. You never see those things. Right. Although you do see the Fasarius, you don't see the fighters. Well, when you're fighting, when you're playing the game, you don't see the fighters very well either. Because, yeah. like I said, they zoom past you, and then you have to lock on, and then they're just like a little dot in the in the distance. Mm. But but like I said, once you've finished it, then you can unlock it, and it'll be in your... Uh, when you start the board, you can choose which, which ship you want to play with, and you can look at them there. Cool. Alright. So, uh, you want to talk about one? I feel like I'm doing all the time. Oh, that's fine. No, you, uh, There's a lot I don't know about them. I mean, I know that Sight Unseen, Antibody, and Sunstorm were all Romulan ones, but, uh, okay, I, I guess I'll, I'll mention Antibody. So, yes, they fight a space amoeba. Yeah, they do. You're inside. <laughs> okay, so, like that really stupid Taws episode. The immunity syndrome. The immunity syndrome, exactly. They go up against the space amoeba. Uh, but in this case, it's in Romulan space, and they're, they end up you know, making friends with the Romulans because they're able to take care of or help take care of this thing, which is threatening the Romulans. Right. And you're actually inside of the amoeba fighting. Right. Instead of fighters, this time it's... Uh, antibodies or little... Antibodies, little... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little globules that are trying to attach itself to the... To the... I don't Excelsior. think they actually attach it to the Excelsior. They shoot just like any other ship. Oh, okay. 
But yeah, you just have to fly around and keep the Excelsior safe, and then it like drops an antimatter bomb, and then you have to get it back out. Got a it. lot of the game is just protecting the Excelsior, and, and and if you get caught up trying to, to do what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. the Excelsior just explodes. Oh, okay. It, it's that that's one of my number one complaints about the game is that you're like, okay, I got to go fight this giant, you know, battleship. Right. And then while you're but doing you gotta that, keep your eye Sulu, on the Excelsior. Sulu's like, oh, we're about to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, as soon as you turn around, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just like, well, what were you doing? Yeah, don't you guys have phasers and photon torpedoes? And then if you spend too much time protecting the Excelsior, then whatever it was that you were supposed to fight does Wins. whatever it's supposed to do. And they're like, right. oh, it destroyed the Romulan Armada, uh, Armada, uh, Armada, whatever. And you're just like, Armada. there's no winning. There's no winning. So you have to play ah, all these board games. Game. <laughs> and then the next one, Sunstorm, that's uh, Tholians. Okay, well, before that, though, or maybe yeah. it's while they're in Tholian space? I don't remember exactly. But there's one of one of my favorite sequences that came out of one of my favorite Star Trek movies. Yeah, it did. It's a, <laughs> that's actually the name of the episode. Wormhole! Wormhole! <laughs> So that lame wormhole thing they did for filler in Star Trek The Motion Picture, mm-hmm. you got it here. The whole episode of just you flying around the Excelsior in a while in the wormhole. And you have to fight off. something? Oh, yeah. you got to fight tons of stuff. Oh, boy. So okay. not only do you have to fight these ships that are somehow also in the wormhole mm-hmm. coming at you, but also uh, asteroids and stuff will come. Oh. And so... If you have, you have to, because the asteroids will just zoom past you and smack right into the Excelsior. So you have to, you have to always be uh, trying to shoot these stupid asteroids and all these ships. And uh, at that point, there's another ship along with the Excelsior that's with you at that point. Um, so you got to make sure that th- that ship doesn't get exploded too. And then the whole time you're in that weird red kaleidoscope-looking thing that was in the uh, the motion picture. Hmm. It's not my favorite, but it was kind of cool to see that version of the wormhole in something other than the the movie. Really? <laughs> I thought cool? I, I thought it was a cool little <laughs> callback. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. And then the next one, the un unwound skin. Skeen. Skeen. I thought maybe I type. I thought Do you know that what was a skin is. No. Because I didn't know what a skein, skein is. I, I had to do it. I had to look it up. It's okay. a length of yarn, loosely coiled and knotted, or it's a tangled or complicated arrangement, state, or situation, or it's a flock of wild geese or swans in flight, typically in a V-shaped formation. However, the title is Unwound Skein, so it's probably not the geese. Yeah, it's probably the first two. Yeah, so it's kind of the thread and kind of the complicated arrangement thing. I don't know. Yeah. So on this one, it's a bunch of Tholian webs. So first, the Enterprise. Oh, the Tholian webs, of course. Yeah. Okay. So Chekhov Chekhov is there, and he's now kind of, even though he's the mirror Chekhov, he's kind of siding with this, this Sulu. Yeah. He wants to get back his own version of Sulu. Right, and uh, so he's trying to help him out, but then uh, this might be the one where he kind of turns him. So he gets stuck in the Tholian web, and then you have to go around, shoot all the Tholians that are there, plus 
the ones that are creating the the web. Mm-hmm. And of course, as soon as you finish, then Excelsior is like, oh, we're getting a Tholian web too. And then yeah, you mm-hmm. have to go all the way back over there and do the exact same thing. So, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of cool to be flying around while those ships are making the Tholian web, but. Mm-hmm. That one wasn't one of the more exciting ones because it was really just – it was actually kind of easy. It was just like go shoot a whole bunch of things around one ship, fly over, shoot a bunch of things on that ship. So being the third board to the end, it was, it was uh, ironically one of the easier boards. Okay. Uh, the next one is when you finally get to the Vortex. It's actually called Vortex. And then the last one is called Mirror, Mirror. Yay. Which is the one I've never finished, uh, which is you're going through the vortex in the ISS Excelsior, and then coming your way head on is the USS Excelsior being captained by your, uh, the mirror. The mirror Sulu, right. And so, of course, I can't see any of this, but somehow the crews trade. At the end? I mean, they must, right? I mean, like like you say, the crews right. get swapped on the ships, so you got to yep. swap them back again. But right. you're also fighting. The two Excelsiors are fighting. You said, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and for some reason, and it never explains, because uh, you know the USS Excelsior wouldn't have a bunch of little no. fighters. No. So they just have wave after wave after wave of uh, mostly Klingon ships, but I think there was some some of everything in there. So oh, it's just, right, because evil Chekhov, mirror Chekhov, was able to somehow uh, make allies with the Klingons and Romulans. Was that it? Uh, no, you are able to. So as you're going through all these episodes, oh, but I thought you were... you're helping out everybody. Well, yeah, I know that, but I and then, thought Because at were... first they're like, why? This must be a... This must be a um, this must be a trick by the the Empire, and then then you help them out. You helped Quonos from the Doomsday Machine, and then they're like, "All right, well, we'll side with you." I don't know what your game is, you know that kind of thing. So that's how okay, but, you make friends with everybody. But then it never explains that, how the mirror the mirror well, universe explain. Uh, okay, so how they made friends with everybody on the on the Prime side. Okay, just so I understand to your point. Evil Sulu on good Excelsiors just got shuttles. <laughs> That's what they he's should. Got. Yes, and your ship, evil ship, good Sulu has fighters that you guys have been using all the way along. So, right. what sh- what fighter ships does good Excelsior have? That's commanded by bad Sulu. That's what I'm saying. Doesn't make sense because it's all the ships you fought throughout the game, but they're coming from. What should be the good Excel? Yeah, and I'm sell- I'm telling you why because they they talked about that in the uh, cutscene. All right, why? So somehow, in the the cutscene, saying somehow evil Sulu was able to make alliances with the Vulcans and Romulans uh, in our uh, universe, in yeah. our universe, and apparently that's where the shuttles are coming from, right? All right. Okay, well, so I mean, or the fighters, I should say, fighters, right? Because the the good Excelsior doesn't have fighters; um, it's just got shuttles, right? And they're probably unarmed, or well, I don't know, but okay, so that's probably where they got them because they talk about that at the very end, um, right? Which you know, I did somehow... watch on, on YouTube since I could never beat it. There, okay, right, there you go. So at least you saw the last cutscene that explains that. Okay. As opposed to the cutscene I've seen every other time in the real game, which is Chekhov 
looking the the prime checkoff looking at the the vortex as it closes and the and no excelsior comes out and he's like oh i guess he didn't make it <laughs> so in the prime universe uh checkoff's also captain of the ex- uh, enterprise, enterprise right interesting yep uh okay so anyways i like this 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 the story I love the costumes. So the costumes um, are very similar to Wrath of Khan uniforms, mm-hmm. except that little lapel thing that snaps to their shoulder is all black. Yeah. So it's red. It's like it's leather or something. Thing. Yeah. It's almost like body armor or something. But yeah, and, but and their whole little... left arm, their left arm is black, and, and that whole fabric that cuts across is black. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then they got the gold sash. Or at but least, one of the one of the things that didn't make does. sense was why, when Sulu switched, he keeps the scar that the mirror Sulu had. Yes, yes, that's true. So that kind of implies more. It's their minds that get switched and not their bodies. It does. That's why I was a little off on the whole switching thing. Right. So in the original series, when when they showed up in the mirror universe, were they wearing the Yes. Sashes and stuff, or were they wearing the they normal were, They were wearing the sashes. Ah, so it, it did just swap their minds, not their bodies. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. Hmm. I mean, at, at, when I was watching it, I was always like, oh, well, Kirk's in a different outfit. So it's like, oh, okay. But I thought it was physically Kirk, because I, you know, I was a young kid when I was watching it. At sure. First. But uh, good point. Maybe it was just the mind. Huh. Well, I, I've always thought it was the full Kirk, but now now that I've seen Sulu's scar stay on him, maybe not. Mm. So, anyways, it's a good game. It's yeah. a nice little mirror universe story that... Uh, it is. I wish they would have... I wish they would have made more Sulu game seasons. That would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been good, but I don't think this was very successful. No, because it's got awful hard. <laughs> well, okay, so... Th- Okay, so tell me if this is right or not. The first company that that was doing this failed, and another company came in to finish it. Is that right? Oh, is that right? Uh, I don't know. I I think so, but I I may have that wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Interplay started it, and it sat for two years before being completed by uh, TDK Media. Yeah, which I was – TDK is in the cassettes? As in cassettes? Or is it nothing to do with it? I think it's the same company. Okay, okay, interesting. Take two licensing. Okay. Um, I would like to comment on the uh, the computer generated characters in the cutscenes. The two thousand four computer generated. Yes, I assume these were computer generated, right? I mean, yes, of course. Part part of a game engine, right? Um, and these guys look fine. They look fine. But, you know, nothing compared to today. It's laughable compared to the stuff you see today, which as you would expect. But sure. the style just really and really the the only people you really see is Sulu and Chekhov. And at least yeah, that's only Sulu and Chekhov. Uh and then they're they're the only voices you hear much except for like oh the M5 or something. And Baylock, okay, I guess Baylock has a voice. But right. The thing is, these guys totally reminded me of the Gary Anderson puppets, the marionettes. 
<laughs> okay. uh, like they use in Thunderbirds. Like Thunderbirds. And also Team America World Police. Sure. <laughs> uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone or whatever. Yep. Um, it totally reminded me of, of, of those puppets. Uh, and maybe maybe I am insulting people now uh, that, that, that worked very hard and long on this game, but that's just what it reminded me of. Yeah, I could totally see that. They're very wooden and uh, not yeah, very... They, yeah. I mean, they kind of like stand there. I mean, the amount of human emotions displayed is not huge. And, uh, you know, the mouth is the mouths move a bit, but right. you don't see a lot of eyebrows moving or anything. <laughs> um, right. Anyway. And, and now that you now that you pointed out the whole two year gap, um, it, it kind of makes sense because when I was playing it, I thought it kind of felt more like a PlayStation one game mm. or an early PlayStation two game. Yeah. But uh, but, you know, 2004, you know, the the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 came out in 2006 or so, so it, this would have been kind of a, a late game or mid-range game. Right. They they had it better back before then, but but now that you mentioned that it was uh, kind of sitting on the shelf and it should have came out two years earlier, it makes sense why maybe they do look more like a an earlier generation game than it than it actually was. Right. I don't know. I, I I've been playing the heck out of a uh, a game on the PlayStation Two called Star Trek Conquest, and it has absolutely no cutscenes. Um, and I, I don't know why it's like my go-to like game to just kind of veg out playing. It, it has it's basically like Risk, you know, okay. the old game Risk. Yeah. So you basically pick a pick a uh, a, fr- a a faction. Mm-hmm. So like the the federation, and then uh, you you know build up resources, you build your ships, you can go out and conquer more planets, mm-hmm. and and as you're conquering more planets, you know the the other f- fractions are trying to take them away from you, and and I like it. It's it's such a stupid game. <laughs> it's, just, it's just flying around, shooting stuff, and then uh, so reinforcing your your so star bases and stuff. There's strategy involved but you don't I mean this is not I find a lot of games a little bit it really wants you need to pay attention right and you got to remember stuff and there's a story and there's a complicated way of doing everything you know you got to learn all this stuff it takes an investment of effort so sure. you're saying this thing is not like that or not as much all like right. that not not to me anymore because I've played it, played it so, so much, much it's that second nature. I I know all of the the stupid little tricks Right. Because when I first played it, for the first year or so I had it, mm-hmm. it was to me, I thought it was a hard game. And I was like, oh, man, it's so hard. How do you ever win? Mm-hmm. But now it's like, uh, how how do you ever lose? It's just so easy. <laughs> and, then I, and then it came out on the Wii, and I never had, I never had the Wii version, but mm-hmm. I did recently get it last year. And it, it still has the same little quirks that the PlayStation 2 one. So once you know that, you can... You can always win, but it ha- now it has motion controls. Uh, but it, I, I like it. You should play it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not backwards compatible with the PlayStation Three or Four, so uh, I don't know how you're going to play it. But yeah, if you still have your PlayStation Two or your Wii, go ahead and fire it up because it's, it's a little game. It doesn't make sense because you're really going out destroying all these home worlds and <laughs> taking over Cardassia and right. the Dominion and Quonos and stuff. So. It's not very Federation-y, but uh, it's fun, fun to fly, fun to build your, uh, you know, your galaxy-class ships, and then just stomp over everybody. Yeah. 
So. Uh, well, I do still have a functional Wii, so that would be the ticket. There you go. Get it. It's it's stupid cheap too, so it shouldn't cost you very much. Ten bucks or something like that. Cool. All right. Anything else? No. no I. We- I, you know, when you propose us doing this, I didn't know what thing I could possibly con- contribute to this because I was not going to go out and buy the game. I was not going to take the time to, you know, to, to do anything. But just getting on YouTube and watching the cutscenes, I was quite entertained. Yeah, good. I'm glad because yeah. I was entertained playing it, but I was worried how much you would be invested in it by just watching it. So I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and there's huge, there's huge chunks you don't see just looking at the cutscenes, or sure. you don't know what happens in many cases. But uh, that's fine. I still liked it. Anyway. I'll tell you everything that happens. You fly around that's in okay. your stupid ship and you're fighting stuff. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's that's the impression the I got. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll think you're just about finished with the board, and then some Orion pirates show up, and you're like, oh, you got to fight the Orions. And then uh, if you blow up their ship too close to the Excelsior, guess what happens? Excelsior blows up. Yeah, and you got to start all over. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you yeah. masochist, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's not my favorite game as far as gameplay goes, but the, I like the story, so I kept going. Good. So, all right, so what are we doing next week, comic book-wise? Well, so, because we've been kind of away from it for a while, we're going to go back to the UK comics. So, we finished up with uh, Storyline 15 last time, so now we're going to do uh, 16, 17, and 18. Cool. Yeah. Some old ties from another land. Exactly. Nice. Uh, uh, yeah, gold key by another name. <laughs> yeah. It, sort of, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it has its own thing going on. I really like it, and, and we should actually probably do some gold key after that episode. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But we'll worry about that next next time. All right, sounds good. All right, so if you're following along... Read the, what is it, 16, 17, and 18? Yes, that's it. From the uh, Volume 1 book uh, from IDW. Perfect. All right, well, thank you for listening, everybody, and talk to you next week. Later, everybody. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the